Setting out from Greenwich Village on a Saturday in late September 1997, a jovial group of sightseers embarked on an unconventional tour of New York City. Sponsored by Playboy magazine, the excursion offered aficionados a journey to the storied landmarks of the sexual revolution. A visit to Margaret Sanger's groundbreaking clinic paid homage to the birth control campaign she spurred in the 1910s and 1920s. A stop at the Stonewall Inn recalled the famous riots of 1969 that catalyzed the gay rights movement. A pause at the New Amsterdam Theater celebrated the high-kicking dancers of Ziegfeld's Follies, the risque showgirls who opened on Broadway in 1913. It was an urban expedition, as Hugh Hefner imagined it, through the first phase of the revolution a period of heroic struggle for freedom of expression against an army of censors and prudes. For all their lightheartedness, these day-trippers were on a countercultural pilgrimage to memorialize and sanctify the history of American sexual liberation, the long and ongoing battle against the forces of Puritan repression. If the tour-goers imagined that they would mostly be traipsing through the bohemian precincts of Greenwich Village, Playboy senior editor James R. Peterson had a surprise for them. The century of sex did not actually begin with any of the familiar New York milestones or hotspots. Instead, the revolution could be traced to a small apartment on West 23rd Street, where a relatively unknown reformer, Ida C. Craddock, had taken refuge in 1902. So off the group went to pay their respects to a largely forgotten forebear, a daring innovator whom the anarchist Emma Goldman had once eulogized as one of the bravest champions of women's emancipation, but who had since slipped into obscurity. The tribute that Playboy's parade of libertarians, bohemians, and merrymakers offered Craddock was apt enough. A marriage reformer demonstrably concerned with free sexual expression, she no doubt deserved to be on the outing's itinerary. And yet that notice captured only a small fraction of her colorful and oddly consequential life. A secular freethinker, a bookish folklorist, a spiritual eclectic, a civil liberties advocate, and a psychoanalytic case history, Craddock was a distinct American visionary whose story sweeps across a vast cultural and religious terrain. That Playboy's tour director introduced the sightseers to Craddock's contribution was an unexpected twist, but that gesture was not half so unlikely as the historian's opportunity to craft Craddock's story from her own writings. Craddock was supposed to have been silenced, and a book like this made impossible to write. Between 1893 and 1902, Craddock produced six pamphlets offering frank advice to married couples, but all of these tracts were suppressed as obscene literature and thus turned into exceedingly scarce commodities. Having consigned Craddock to the mixed company of pornographers, birth control proponents, and literary renegades such as Walt Whitman and George Bernard Shaw, America's moral guardsmen made it very difficult for her to print and circulate her views at all. As a result of her recurrent legal jeopardy, almost all of Craddock's writings went unpublished. The bulk of her literary output existed only in manuscripts and typescripts, which were especially vulnerable to destruction. The danger came not only from the official censors, notably the New York Society for the Suppression of Vice, a government-backed organization dedicated to upholding public morality, but also from those nearer, if not always dearer, to Craddock. I recalled what Mother had said. 
Craddock noted with despair in her diary in 1896, that if I die before she does, she will burn every one of my manuscripts. Craddock's mother often threatened her, sometimes idly, usually not. So Craddock wisely took steps to safeguard her papers, including an intimate diary of her mystical experiences and several book drafts on subjects ranging from marriage reform to comparative mythology. She shipped off most of the manuscripts to a patron in England, where they remained safely tucked away until after World War I, out of reach of the censor's fire.